Masechet Gitin Daf Ayin He. We're speaking about the Mishnah of a case uh, when the husband says, here is your get on condition that you give me 200 zoos. Uh, the beginning of the sugah is going to be, what if he refuses to accept it? Can she force, can someone force someone else to accept something? Um, and then we're going to speak more about the opinion of Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, where a husband says, here is your get if you give me my coat, and the coat is lost. And according to Rabbanan, there's no get here because he said, I want my coat, and that's precisely, we have to follow his precise wording, whereas according to Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, it's sufficient that she pay for the amount of the coat, um, and so as long as the value is paid for, you don't need the actual coat. Um, and so we'll talk more about that. That was a story that happened in Sidan. All right, so Tenan Hatam, we're going to bring in a Mishnah from Adachin as a comparison of giving some, some, something to someone by force. We're talking about the Torah law that someone who sells a house in a walled city has a right to go and buy it back, to redeem the house within 12 months. Now, it, once the 12 month, 12th month comes, um, here's what people would do. The buyers, they didn't want the, uh, the seller to come back and take, their, take the house. And uh, the seller, he might not be redeeming it right away. He might wait till he gets the money back together, till he gets a chance to come and redeem it. So in, just in case the seller waits till last minute, he might wait till the last day, right? The last day of the 12th month. Um, that would be the, sometimes the most likely day that the seller would come to redeem his home. So buyers, you know what they would do? They would go hide themselves on that last day of the 12th month. That way they couldn't be found. And the seller says, wait, I want to I wanna redeem my house. I have the money, right? He's just looking for the buyer. Here's the money, and I, I want to get my, um, my uh, uh, house back. So he would be in hiding so that he could not accept the money and it would remain permanently in his own, uh, in, in the buyer's uh, uh, um, ownership. Okay, so that's what people were doing. And this was not very fair because the Torah says the seller has a year to redeem it back. And now they don't have a chance. That last day, it's a critical day. Um, sometimes people wait till the last minute, but they still have a right to get it. So it's not fair that the buyer should go hide himself. And so Hillel made a takana that um, a person, the seller, if he can't find the buyer, that's okay. He can just take the money and deposit it in the treasury of the Bet HaMikdash. Right? He says, here, this is the money. I'm putting it here for the buyer. He can come and pick it up anytime he wants. And that is that is payment. And then he can go and break down the, the door of his own house that he now redeemed, and he can enter it whenever he wants. And the, uh, the seller, uh, sorry, the buyer, who now is no longer his, the buyer can go pick up his money anywhere and anytime that he wants. Um, so he's basically depositing it with a third party that happens to be the Beta Mikdash. And that is considered, Hillel made a takana. From now on, that's considered giving money to the buyer. If the buyer decides to hide himself, that's good, and that's good enough. 
Okay, now the fact that he may have had to make, make a takana about this means that that was not the original law. So, Rava says, I'll explain this, this part first, from the fact that Hillel had to make a takana, that giving something against a person's will is considered giving. That means without the takana of Hillel, in general, giving something by force is not considered giving. Um, if uh, if uh, UPS uh, uh, delivers something to my home and I refuse delivery, right? I have a right to refuse delivery. I don't want this. Um, take it back. Someone gave me some giant gift. I have no room for it. All right, so I can refuse delivery. So that was the original law. Someone can refuse delivery. And then Hillel had to make a special takana uh, for redeeming homes and said, okay, in this particular case, you can force, uh, forcibly give a payment by doing the method of depositing in the Bet HaMikdash. Now that we know that that was the original law, that's the law that applies elsewhere, Rava says we can apply this to a get. If a husband says, here is your get, on condition that you pay me 200 zoos, and she then gives him the 200 zoos with his consent, he accepts the money, she is indeed divorced. That's a fulfillment of the condition. But if it's against his will, he says, no, I don't want it. I don't want the 200 zoos. I'm not accepting it. He puts his hands behind his back, right? And he, he refuses to accept it. Deny delivery. Then she is not divorced, right? Even if she puts it in his, uh, in his house, puts it in his pocket. Not, it's against his will, not Migoreshet. Uh, so that's the, that's the rule. Um, so that's how we're, uh, Rava is comparing this law of Hillel, Hillel's Takana, but the original law is that you cannot forcibly give something to someone, and therefore the husband, even after he gives the get with this condition, and she's willing to fulfill the condition, if he, the husband, refuses to accept it, the get will not go through. Matkifla Rapapa. Rapapa, however, uh, for the next generation, a student of Rava um, uh, objects to this. So he says, no, how do you know that that was the, the takana was because you cannot forcibly give something to someone and now he made a takana that you can. Maybe that wasn't a takana at all. Maybe the, really the rule is that you can give something to someone else by force. And therefore, in the case of the get, the, uh, she can forcibly uh, deposit the money uh, to him. Uh, so in, in, in that case, what was the need for the takana? Oh, because it's about giving him the money, not in his presence. Um, so, but in his presence, whether he wants it or not, it is considered uh, giving. Uh, so in other words, really the, the original law, the law across the board for get also, is that if the person's there, right, the husband is there, and she has the money, and she um, stuffs it in his pocket, puts it on his head, right, put, uh, um, forcibly gives it to him, that is considered uh, an actual giving. If he's not there and she just deposited, deposits it in his courtyard, but he, he's, he's not there and he refuses, says, I don't want it, 
um, then that would not, that normally that would not be called giving. In this case, Rabban uh, Hailel said, well, he's hiding, right? So uh, this actually makes sense because they would hide themselves so that they wouldn't receive anything. And so Hillel had to say, even if you hide yourself and you're not there and you're refusing and you made an announcement, I don't want that money. Nevertheless, if she deposits it in, a, in some place, a P.O. box in the Beta Mikdash, uh, the, the seller deposits it, then that is considered giving. And so therefore, we do not have a proof uh, from this Mishnah in Arachin to the case of Gitin. And it could be that in Naget, giving it by force in front of him, in fact, would be giving. And all that is one version of that discussion. Now the opposite version. In this version, Rava is starting off with uh, Rafapa's conclusion here. So he's trying to prove the opposite. Based on the Takanav Hilel, who said, uh, who said that if she wants to give him something by force, uh, if, sorry, if the seller wants to give the buyer money by force to redeem his own land, yes, he can do that. So we see from there that giving by force is considered giving. So we can learn that if a woman wants to give 200 zoos to fulfill the condition uh, by force and he refuses, then that's good. Um, uh, whether he wanted, whether he accepts it or it's against his will, that is considered a giving, as long as it's in front of him. Now, Hillel had to make his takana when the husband is missing, he's hiding. So Hillel had to make a special law, even though he's hiding, we, you know, he has to accept this money if it's deposited in the Bet HaMikdash. Um, but if he's not in hiding, if the person's there, whether he wants it or he does not want it, that is considered giving. So according to this, Rabbi is learning the opposite of the first version, that forcible giving in front of him is uh, considered a proper giving. But then, that's not necessarily a proof. Maybe even in front of him, it has to be uh, with his will, and you cannot forcibly, uh, you cannot force someone to accept something against their will. Hillel needed to make a takana in order uh, in order that uh, the money should be accepted against his will, whether he's there there or not there. The original law is you cannot force someone to accept something. And Hillel said, okay, now, you know what, for the redeeming houses, we force something, someone to accept something. But the analogy to get, because there's no equivalent takana and get, a get and a get, the, hus- the wife cannot forcibly give the 200 Zeus to the husband, whether he's there or not. So he rejects it. Uh, he, uh, either way, reject. you learn something from these two versions that it seems that um, the students uh, would memorize Sugyot in, uh, as a, a structure, right? Rava made a comparison between Arachin and Gitin regarding forcibly, forcibly giving something. Rav Papa rejected that, right? But then you can fill in what did he um, prove and what was rejected. But what's equivalent between the two versions is the basic structure. Uh, okay. Amar Rabba Bar Bar Hanan, Amar Bi Yochanan. 
כל מקום ששנה רבן שמעון בן גמליאל במשנתנו הלכה כמותו, חוץ מערב וסיידן, וראיה אחרונה. So Rabbi Yochanan says, anytime we have רבן שמעון בן גמליאל in the Mishnah, we follow him for הלכה. Even though he's a minority opinion, the הלכה goes with him. Except for a case of an ערב. This is a case of a creditor who says, I will be able to collect my debt either from you, the debtor, or from your guarantor. And according to Rabbanan, he can go, and even if the debtor himself has property, he, if easier, if he feels like taking the guarantor's property, he can. Rashbag, however, says, no, if the debtor himself has, has, has property, the creditor can only take from the debtor. Only if the debtor doesn't have property, then he can go to the uh, guarantor. So, um, halacha. Um, is uh, not like Rashbag in this case. This is one of the exceptions. The second exception is Saidan. That's in our Mishnah. The husband says, you are divorced. If you give me my coat, and then the, and the coat is lost, Rashbag says, that's it. That's okay. She can pay with the money. Uh, the monetary equivalent is the intention that counts, and he wants uh, he wants that item or the equivalent. Um, so he's more lenient. However, Rabbanan says we follow we fo- we follow the words exactly. And if he, they, she doesn't give the coat, even though she doesn't have it, and then it's out of her control, nevertheless, it's not a get. And halacha follows Rabbanan here as well. And in the third case, uh, that's an exception to the rule: is Daya Aharona if someone says, I have no evidence, I have no witnesses, but afterwards, they come and they bring uh, further evidence or further witnesses. Rashbag says, that's okay, you can accept it, but Rabbanan said, no, they already said they have no further evidence, they cannot bring more evidence later. Um, and again here, Halacha follows Rabbanan. All right, Tenor Rabbanan, very interesting baraita that says, um, if the husband says, here is your get, but the paper is mine. No good, that's not a divorce, because you have to give a bill of divorce, and without the paper, what do you, what's left? Just ink, right? You can't have writing uh, without, uh, you can't have foreground without background, you cannot have writing uh, ink without paper, um, you can have ink in a, in a bottle without paper, but that's not called writing. Uh, writing uh, for something to be letters needs uh, a uh, something to be written upon for it to hold together. So this makes no sense. It can, so he has to give a bill of divorce. There is no bill of divorce here, so it's not a get. However, the second case is, uh, here is your get on condition that you give me back the paper. Well, then that's okay. And so I think this is understandable because there is a difference of never giving the uh, paper in the first place, whereas in the second case, he gives the paper, but then she has to return it. Um, but this will hinge on how we understand the almenat. Uh, we saw before there's a question of does almenat uh, um, apply retro- retroactively or not. Let's assume right now that it does not apply retroactively. It applies at the time of giving. Um, and it, uh, at the time that the condition is fulfilled. If so, a husband says, here is your get on condition when it will happen, it will take effect when you give it back. Well, then you see the problem. When she gives it back to him, she doesn't have it anymore. So how could you say the get takes effect when she is no longer in possession of the 
paper. Um, and so uh, that you see that the, uh, the difference between, if you follow that, it's not, it's not clear what the difference is between the first and second case. And that's exactly what the Gemara asks. What is the difference? How come in the first case when he says the paper is mine, there, the get is no good, but when he says, this will be your get, when you give it back to me, then it's good. Isn't that the same thing? She's still giving back to him the paper. And so in, the, in both cases, um, she does not have the paper. And so uh, at the time, uh, you, well, we want the get to be effective. And so how could it be effective in either case? All right, we're going to see five different answers to this. Uh, first one, Amar of Chista Hamaned, Aban Shimon ben Gamliel Hida, Amar, Titen lo etameha, Hachaname, Efshadim of Ayesale, Bedame. So Rav Chista says, This Baraita is the opinion of Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, who says in the case of a coat, you don't actually have to give the coat, you can give the value of the coat. And here also, she, he, he gives her the get and says, On condition that you give me back the paper. Well, she doesn't have to give him the paper itself. How much is that paper worth, right? $2? Okay, here's $2. I'm paying you for this paper. And then that will fulfill the condition. And that's why in this case, because you can fulfill the condition with money. In the first case, there's no way to be, be, uh, be divorced if he keeps the, the paper the entire time. All right, that's answer number one. So Abaye says, no, even Rashbag may not agree when the item is, uh, is actually here. Rashbag, rather, said his halacha only in the case where the coat is lost. So she has no ability to fulfill the condition, literally. Therefore, okay, she can do second best and she can give money. But if it's actually there, if the coat's there, Rashbag may very well say you have to return the coat. And here also, the get exists. She has it in her hands. So if it exists, she has to give the get back, the paper back. She cannot pay for it. So even Rashbag would not agree that it would be megoreshet until she gives the paper back. But once she gives it back, she doesn't have it anymore, so it cannot take effect. So therefore, we reject Rav Chistaz, at least Abaye rejects Rav Chistaz's answer. And he offers a second one. We're following the Bimeir. We're going to see the Bimeir's opinion. Uh, the source of it on tomorrow's daf, uh, but Rabbi Meir says in order for a condition to be legally valid, it has to be a double condition, um, uh, like Bene Gad and Bene Reuven, right? Uh, who said, Moshe told them, if you go into the land and fight with us, then you can inherit the land on the other side of the Jordan. If you do not come and fight with us, then you cannot have it. You have to say, you have to say it in the positive and in the negative. And so the problem in this baraita, um, this Baraita is the opinion of Bimeir, and the problem with this Baraita he says he only said Al Menat on condition that you give it back to me. In order and, and uh, so this this condition is null and void. If to in order to make the condition valid, he would have to say and if you uh, if you he have to say both. If you return it to me, then it is a good get. If you don't return it to me, it's not a good get. 
And so he didn't say both, and that's why it's no good. Matkif le Rava. Okay, so Rava says, rejects that second answer, and he offers a third. First, the rejection. You're telling me that the only reason why it's um, a good get is because the condition is invalid, because he didn't double it. So, But if he did double it, then it would be a good get. Now, where does anybody learn the, the prototype of the proper uh, condition is from? What I just mentioned. Um, and uh, so based on that, Rava says, I can add yet another problem with the formula um, uh, that in the Braita. And even if it was said in a double way, there would be an additional problem. And this, and that way, it doesn't have to be only to be Meir. Um, you always have to have the condition first and then the consequence after. If you go into the land, then if you fight with us, then you can have the land as an inheritance. You can't say it the other way around. And here, right, look at the language that he says, hey, this is your get if you give it back to me. The problem is it, it's the wrong way. You have to, if you flip it around, then it'll be okay. It says, if you give it back to me, then it's a good get. And if you don't give it back to me, then it's not a good get. You have to say the condition first and the consequence second. And that's the problem here. That's why, um, that's why in the, the sefa is... Uh, is a good get because it was not the condition was not formulated correctly, so the condition is invalid. All right, so that is the third uh, opinion. So that's how he explains the Braita. Now we have a fourth. So is that the only problem you have? The only problem is that you put the consequence before the condition, but if you put the condition first and the consequence after, then the condition would be a valid condition, and uh, and then if she, um, and then it would not be a good get. If she doesn't give it back, it's not a good get. Even if she does give it back, it's not a good get because it's not in possession at the time that it, that it takes um, effect. Um, so would that what you that what you would say? Mikdi kotene mehecha gamdin and lehum mitene bene gad veneroven. Mahatam tenai bedavad echadu maase bedavad acher. Afkol la puke hacha detenai umase bedavad echad. So he says I have a different another problem with it. And even if it was formulated in the double way, and even if it was formulated with the condition first and the consequence after, still has to fit another criteria that um, uh, it has to be about an, about a different issue. The condition and the consequence have to be about a different issue. Like B'nai Gad if you fight within the land of Israel, then you can inherit something outside the land of Israel. Uh, but this comes to exclude here our case, where it's about the very same matter, it's about the bill of divorce, and you have a contradiction in terms because you say this is yours on condition that you give it back, um, and and you're saying and it's only yours when you give it back. So that doesn't make sense. It's like saying I'll only accept that. Uh, if you don't give it to me, right? That doesn't make sense. You, if I don't give it to me, then how could, right? It's just, it's circular reasoning. And so you can't have the condition and the, um, and the consequence be about the very same subject in such a way that the fulfillment of the condition negates the possibility of the consequence. 
אלא אמר רב עדה בר אהבה משום דתנאי ומעשה בדבר אחד. So therefore רב עדה says that is the problem here. That is about the same matter, and if the once the condition is fulfilled, then the get can no long, cannot be hers because the condition says she has to give the get back. So then it can't be fulfilled. All right. So that's the fourth explanation. Rav Asher Amar Hamane Rebihi Damar Aravuna Marav Kol Amet Almenat Kamer Marshav Dameh. And now the last answer, which is actually the simplest. It looks like this is really the peshat of that baraita. As following the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, who says, um, anyway, um, uh, uh, who, who says, uh, and anytime you say Almanat, when you put a condition, it's the same as saying from now. Even if you don't say Me'achshav, that's implicit. And therefore, a uh, husband is saying, here is your divorce that will take effect from now. When once you give it back, right, uh, um, retroactively after you give it back, and therefore it's perfectly logical that the sefa should be fine. The resha was here is your get, but the but I'm keeping I'm 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 giving you the get, but the money but the paper is mine. Paper is mine. You're not giving her anything. You didn't give her a bill of divorce. That's no good. But if I'm giving it to you and I'm saying it'll take effect right now, on condition that at some point you give it back to me. That's okay because I did give it to you and it is yours at that time, um, and it takes effect at that time when it's in your home, when, it, when it's in your hand. So it take effect, takes effect right away, and later on you simply fulfill the condition by giving it back. Um, so that's a that's a simple explanation. Uh, you, you see that um, the the Talmud knew this answer the whole time, um, but I think all the previous answers were like, oh, here's another problem that we could possibly potentially find with this, and each one's adding another problem to the other, and so we learned a lot about all the requirements of of legal conditions. So that's a beautifully structured sugya. All right, and now at Ken Shemuel Begita Deshchi Mera, Im Lo Mati Lo Yeheget, Vim Mati Yeheget. More about the formulations of conditions that when someone is on his deathbed, right? We said that we we know that someone on his death, deathbed, we take his words very seriously, and even his words can affect effectuate a transaction. Whereas usually you would have to write it down or do some kind of uh, um, act of of transmission. Um, so uh, Shemuel said, "Listen, in order to uh, to obviate any uh, uh, any problems um, of, or misunderstandings of ambiguous language, Shemuel said, as someone on his deathbed, we sh- and if they want to uh, give a get to their wife, we should instruct them to use the following formula: If I do not die, it will not be a get. If I die, then it should be a get. And then there, it'll, it'll be clear. In case he gets better, we'll know what that what happens. Because otherwise, if he says, I, I give my wife a get, and then he gets better. So what did he mean? Did he mean only if he dies, or he wants it to be a get anyway? So let him make a double condition, and that way it'll be totally clarified, and also it'll have a double condition, which is good. Okay. Um, so now we ask, why is he saying, it's, it seems like in a backwards order. He should say the positive first. If I die, this is a get. If I don't die, this is not a get. Right? Doesn't make, that make sense logically to say if the condition is fulfilled first rather than if not fulfilled? And the answer is, A person does not want to 
um, uh, make uh, uh, something negative about himself come first. You don't want to start off a statement saying, if I die, this is a get, right? You want to push that off, try to live as long as possible. So that's why just to, to have the language be nicer, he says, if I don't die, hopefully I won't die. I don't really want this, but my first choice is I won't die and this won't be a get. But what can I do if I should die, then this will be a get. So that's why a person says it um, in that order. Okay, and now says, how come you don't say it in the, the, the phrase itself, switch the, the, the clauses, and how come you don't say, this is not a get if I don't die? How come you start off with, uh, if I don't die, um, it, it will not be a get. Say, it will not be a get if I don't die. And the answer is, as we said before, you need the condition first, and then the consequence. If I don't die, then it's not a get. If I do die, then it is a get. So we have to formulate it correctly. Rava challenges Shemuel. Right, Shemuel, I understand. You got, you know, you got the double uh, uh, positive and negative in there, and um, we and you put the condition first and the consequence later. But you didn't fulfill another um, another thing that we should always have in the condition that you should always have the if the condition is fulfilled first and only then if it's not fulfilled. Just like with Bnei Gad and Bnei Reuven, Moshe says, if you come and conquer the land, then you can take your land. If you do not, then you cannot. So we should have the condition for being fulfilled first, and then the not being fulfilled. So and uh, so your 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 um, formula is not good because you had the negative first and then the positive. Ela amarava imlomati lo yeheget imati yeheget imlomati lo yeheget. So Rava adds another few words to the formula to say it as follows, if I do not die, it will not be a get. If I do die, it will be a get. And then you repeat, if I do not die, it won't be a get. Why do you do all that? To fulfill all the requirements. You want to start off with the thing that, that you hope for and the uh, calamity that might happen. You don't want to start off with that as if you that, that's what you want to happen. So therefore, you start off with the hopeful, hopefully I won't die and this won't be a get. So that's why you put that first. But then you say, But then you say the positive, positive in the sense that the condition is fulfilled, and then the negative, the condition is not fulfilled, so that Rabbi can fulfill um, his requirement, as he just said. So you say, if I do die, it will be get. If I don't die, it will not be a get. And that way you have the yes before the no. But he's adding in another no beforehand, so for that hope that hopefully he will live. And by making that sandwich, you fulfill all of the requirements, and that is the therefore the best formula that someone on his deathbed should say. Husband gives a get to his wife and says, here is, here is your get on condition that you continue to serve my father. Maybe, you know, while they were married, uh, she was giving breakfast to, to her father-in-law. And so he says, listen, we're not getting along. We should get divorced. But my father really depends on you uh, coming and taking care of his breakfast. And so this is your get, but you need to continue doing that. 
Or let's say they have a child. And officially, once they get divorced, so the husband has to take care of the child, but the child is a baby and needs, needs its mother to nurse. So he says, okay, we're getting divorced on condition that you continue to nurse the baby. So um, she has to do that in order to be uh, for the divorce to happen. Now, how long, right? As God, he, in, in this case, he doesn't give a time limit. Um, so we, the answer is two years, right? Until the baby is two years old, that's the standard amount of nursing. After that, they, already the baby can eat other things and can get along. Rabbi Yehuda Omer Shimona Asad Chodesh, 18 months. That's sufficient, and the baby can already start eating other mushy things and can live without the without nursing. Uh, now it doesn't say how long she has to take care. She would have to take care of her father-in-law, her ex-father-in-law. Um, in the first case, it could be that there's no time limit because presumably this is an elderly person who can't take care of himself. Um, kind of like a baby, but unlike a baby, when the baby gets older, the baby can start uh, getting along without nursing, whereas a person gets older and older, uh, probably they're still going to need help. So um, it could be that she will have to take care of the father forever until he dies. Okay. Metaben or If the um, child dies or the husband dies, the get is uh, is fulfilled, right? Even if it's before two years um, and uh, she nursed this child for, it could be her child, it could be whatever, it doesn't matter, it's a condition, any, whatever, his, his child, maybe from some, some, some a different mother. Um, the point is, if the child dies, let's say after uh, one month, and uh, well, she tried her best, right? She's willing. She's there. She's willing to nurse the child, but the child died. So that's good. That's good enough. She fulfilled the condition. At least she fulfilled the intention of what he wanted her to do. There's nothing else that she could do. So that fulfills the condition, and she is divorced. Now, next case. Now, the first case, he, 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 the husband did not give a time limit. So we assume what the time limit would be. Um, here, the husband does say a time limit and says, here is your get on condition that you will serve my father for two years or that you will nurse this baby um, for two years if the baby dies or if the father says, I, I, I don't want you to serve me, right? I'm good. I don't need you. Even if it's not an anger. If it's an anger, that means she didn't do a good job, right? Yeah, you keep burning the toast every morning, right? Forget it. Forget it. I don't want your help. So then she, then she's doing a good job and you could say she's doing a bad job and you could say, well, that doesn't fulfill the condition. She wasn't doing it to his liking. But the, the Shalom HaKbada says, even if he's not angry. He's just like, you know what? I can take care of it myself. I'm okay. Thank you for your help, but I, I want to be independent. Um, even uh, even so, um, it's not a get. Why? Um, because as she, the husband said, two years, specifically two years. So even if it's out of her control, uh, the child died, the father refuses to be served, still he, she did not do that item for two years, and therefore it's not a get. 
רבן שמעון מגמליאל אומר, כזה גט, כלל אמר רבן שמעון מגמליאל, כל עכבה שאינה המנה, הרי זה גט, רשב"ג says, in a case like this, the get is valid, because he has a general rule, any hindrance to the fulfillment of the condition that is not from her, meaning it's out of her control, it is a good get. It's similar, just like we said regarding the coat. The coat is lost, what can I do? I, I can't give you the coat back, I can give you money, right? And he's okay with it. So just like Rashbag was lenient there, so too he is lenient here as long as if she refuses and or does a bad job, then she, that's the same as refusing, then she's not fulfilling it. But if it's out of her control, then she tried to fulfill the, um, the condition as much as, as possible, uh, but, uh, because, but she, can't, she cannot um, because the baby died or the, or the father refuses, then it is a valid get. Okay, now we ask, Umi ba'inan kulehai, or min hi, shimashto yom echad, vehenikato yom echad, hareze get. We're assuming that this baraita is a case where the husband doesn't specify a time, like the resha in our Mishnah. He just says, here, uh, take care of my father, or uh, nurse this, my baby. Um, according to this baraita, as long as she does it, even for one day, she serves the, her father-in-law, ex-father-in-law one breakfast or um, nurses the child for one day she fulfilled technically the uh, the condition all he said is if you nurse this baby she nursed it she nursed it one time okay or one day that's good enough and that is a get so this is a challenge to our, our Mishnah because our Mishnah says without a condition uh, she has to do it for, let's say, take the baby for two years. For the ex-father-in-law also might be two years or maybe till the, till for his whole life. So how can we resolve this contradiction? We'll see a few ways. Says one of these sources, either the Mishnah or the Braita, is Rabbanan, and the other is the opinion of Rabban Shimon ben Gamaliel regarding what they said about the coat. Now, which, way, which one is which? We're going to try both ways. Matnitin Rabban Shimon ben Gamaliel Ubaraita Rabbanan. The Mishnah that says that it has to be for a, a long time, for two years or 18 months, um, that would be Rashbag. Why? Just like in the case of a coat, um, the husband says, I want my coat back. His point was he wants that, that financial benefit. He wants the full financial benefit of it. Um, and so if she cannot provide the coat because it's lost, then she, pay, he, she pays for it. And that's okay. Here also we assume that when he said, I want you to nurse the baby or take care of my father, he wants the full financial benefit of that, meaning the maximum of how much the baby needs or how much the father needs. And it's not just one day, right? So we look at the, uh, the intention and we assume the intention is for full financial benefit and that's why you need the longest time possible. The Badaita, on the other hand, uh, says Rabbanan. Rabbanan say, we follow the technicality of the wording, both lechumra or lekula. In the case of a coat, it was lechumra. He said, I want the coat. You cannot be divorced without the coat. She can pay all the money in the world, but it will not help because there is no coat here, right? And the condition says, I want the coat. And so to here, the condition says, um, if you uh, nurse the baby. Now, uh, maybe uh, someone looking, hearing that would say, oh, nurse the baby must be until the baby can eat solid foods. But the, the technical wording is, uh, as well, if you, this is your get if you nurse the baby. She nursed, nursed it for one day, I did it. You didn't give a time period. You didn't say for one year or two years. 
and therefore I did it one day, it's fine. So Dashbag follows the intention of monetary benefit and the Rabbanan follow the technical wording. Um, okay, so that's uh, our first uh, proposal, but we reject it. The Sefa here quotes Rashbag. Um, in uh, 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 where he says if he uh, if they die um, or the husband says I don't want it so Rashbag says it is a get because it's out of her control so you see that this is opinion of Rashbag at the end um, it sounds like everything before that the Resha is not the opinion of Rashbag so therefore it does not make sense to say that the Resha of the Mishnah is Rashbag Ela Baraita Rabban Shemam Gamliel he demekel bimbitnai Rather, we can argue the other way around that the Braita is in fact Rashbag, who is lenient regarding conditions. And so rather than what we said before, that the main point of the code is the intention for financial benefit. No, it's just that he's being lenient. He said, it can, the husband said, conditions, I want, I, I want the code. If she can fulfill it in some other way, like by paying, then that's okay. And also here, he is um, uh, lenient and says, if it's out of her control, then that's okay. And so too in this Braita, this Braita is, is Rashbag, if it can be interpreted in some way to be lenient for her, and technically she fulfilled it because she did one day and that's all he said, he didn't give a time limit, then that's okay. So Rashbag is always going to be lenient, uh, whereas Rabbanan are going to be stringent. Um, and stringent might mean, I want the actual coat. And in this case, stringent would mean, I said nurse the baby, I meant nurse it until it can eat on its own, right? Nurse it the whole way through. One day is not what I meant to say. Uh, so he, because he's stringent. All right, so that's the second answer. Third answer, Rava Amar. Lakashya kan bistam kan bimfaresh. He says that the Mishnah is when there's no specification, as it says, you know, just nurse the baby. Whereas the Baraita is when he specifies nurse it for one day. And that's why it's okay. So it could all be, all be the, all be the banan. And uh, here, even though it doesn't say so, he said, can you nurse it for one day? And she did. She nursed it for one day. And that's why it's it's uh, that's why it's a it's a valid get. All right, Ravashe Amar Kol Setam Namekim Faresh Yom Echad Ravashe is not giving an answer to the contradiction. He's saying a separate comment on the Mishnah. Then any time you do, if you don't specify a, a time period, then it's as if it's as if you're saying one day. All, all we can assume is one day if you don't uh, actually say a time period. All right. Now challenge to Rav Asher. Tenan now, we brought in Ravashet just to challenge him from our Mishnah, um, because our Mishnah says, without any time limit, uh, husband says, I want you to nurse my child. How much does she have to nurse him? Two years. And Rabbi Uda says, 18 months. According to Rabbah, I understand it makes sense, because he gave no condition. So no condition, we assume, is the amount of time necessary for the child uh, until it can eat. But according to Ravashet, who says no time period means one day, so then why would any why would you need two years or eighteen months? One day should be enough. Hachika Amar, and so the answer is this is what the Mishnah means to say. Yom echad mishteshanim la pukel achar sheteshanim dela. Yom echad mishemona asar chodesh la pukel achar shemona asar chodesh dela. Ravashet can interpret our Mishnah to mean uh, that the husband is saying here, I want you to nurse this child. 
And if he doesn't say anything, she only has to do it for one day. But according to Tanakama, that one day has to be within two years of the baby's birth. What she's she's going to come back uh, when uh, you know twenty years later, and this kid's twenty years old. It's okay. I'm here, ready to nurse. No, that doesn't. Kid, that uh, adult does not need nursing anymore. We're talking about when it's a baby. You only have to do it one day. We have to do it within the time period that it requires it. So that's either two years or eighteen months. Um, according to the 18 months, if she comes uh, um, after 19 months and says, I'm ready to uh, nurse the child, no good. Too late. It only has to be one day, but it has to be within that time period. And now we have another challenge against it of Ashe. Uh, from the next part of the Mishnah. Um, here's your get. If you serve my father for two years. Um, or nurse the child for two years if the child dies. Or the father says, not in anger, I want to take care of myself. Um, I don't need you to serve me. Um, it is, uh, it's not a get because she didn't do anything. So, so this makes sense according to Rava why we have two cases. The first case of the Mishnah is when there was no specified time, so it's teaching us when what the um, expected time is. And the Sefa is where he did have an expected time, um, but then right, she wasn't able to do anything um, without that. So I understand why we need two cases, one with unspecified time, one with specified time. According to Rav where unspecified time is the same as saying one day, so then both the first clause and the second clause, both specify time, just happens to be one that says one day, one says, one says two years, but they're really essentially the same case. Why would I need both? Kashya, that is indeed a, um, a serious challenge against Rav Asheh. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.